I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor-Kabaz, mama, journalist, coach, and founder of Mama Rising. This podcast is a space of community and collaboration. We gather stories of matrescence, motherhood, womanhood, and change told by our mummerizing coaches and mothers around the globe in the knowing that through our stories, we can begin to heal and change the way the world sees, values, and supports mothers everywhere. So welcome to the Happy Mama Movement. And welcome to our special partner series. I have been exploring, researching and coaching mothers around motherhood for more than a decade. And during that time, so often get asked, what about the partner? Is there something called patrescence? Do they go through similar identity shifts? What do dads feel as they become fathers? And how can we understand that experience better? And that is what this special series is dedicated to. I searched for three experts to explore different aspects of partnering as you become a partner and a parent. And this is what I am so excited to share with you today. In this first episode of this special series, you will hear from Stephen Kennedy, a father and founder of Birthing Dads Australia. In this interview, he explores his own experience of becoming a father, how he now supports other dads, and what we all need to keep in mind as our partners become fathers and how we can understand their experience better. great honor to be stepping into this space and talking to you about this important insight and understanding into the experience of becoming a father. So thank you for saying yes and stepping into this with me. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. So let's start with how you came to be so passionate about supporting the experience of becoming fathers differently. How did this begin for you? It began for me in 2017 when my son was born uh, via emergency caesarean. It was born with an APGAR of one, so we needed resuscitation. And I experienced pretty like post-traumatic stress from that and depression, a bit of anxiety. And I'd never actually had a uh, any trouble with mental health, so it was the first time in my life that I was actually struggling. And and I just started researching the topic of men at birth uh, with academic research and I started reading books around childbirth and 
I realised that there was a big gap in our childbirth culture around the engagement of men and the involvement of men. You know, men have been in the room for 50 years. This, you know, early 70s was when right. we started coming in to, to support birth. But in that time, there really hasn't been any concerted effort or coordinated kind of drive to give them an idea about what it's like. And so I, I, researching further and and understanding the dynamics of birth, the physiology of birth, and just understanding men's role in that a little bit more, I just started thinking, well, someone's got to actually start teaching men what's going on for them and what are they going, what they're going to experience because there is actually a few things that we could just tell men about to make it a lot easier for the whole family you know and i just yeah, yeah. so I, I started something called the prepare foundation which is a registered charity in australia and so, and a social enterprise called birthing dads which has programs and we teach men about childbirth support pregnancy support early fatherhood as well so that's basically about, how I come to work in this area. Wow. I, I really want to hear more about the cultural and societal change that we've been through in the last 50 years and yet how little we've prepared men to be in that room. But if I could pause, if it's okay, to talk a little bit more about that experience. I know for myself and, and the thousands of women I've spoken to over the years, the reason why we're here having this conversation is because not only is it an incredibly traumatising experience to ex go through what you did, but then to look around and realise there's no place for me to talk about it, there's nobody acknowledging this, I think that's, that's a huge ongoing impact that we need to understand. And I would imagine for dads who do have these really overwhelming feelings in these moments or these different experiences to feel like they can't then go and speak about it. I mean, we're not doing great for women either, but we do have mother's groups. We do have spaces that we then gather and try and talk about it. But I can't imagine what it would be like to not even be allowed to speak out loud about what you've been through. Look, if you, if you break it down, it's kind of, I, I look at it as a, a bit of a fundamental hypocrisy in our societal attitudes towards towards men in general so in general we want men to be heart connected we want them to be you know be able to share their emotional landscape and and be soft but also be hard when we want them to be you know those kind of the mixed messages around that but when it comes to childbirth we do really want them to be sensitive kind of guys that can step into that space of normal physiological birth and support that in a sense which is a loving environment they have to provide that loving environment and as you say if there's any traumatic experience or there's any uh, something happens where he feels that his partner or the baby is in danger, then he's meant to just suck it up. So there, there lies in this, this, like I say, fundamental hypocrisy with the way that we want our men to be. And then we haven't got any supports, kind of supports for them there to, you know, to pick up the pieces. You know, when, when my son was born, I actually asked the midwife that was nearby like two days later, I said to her, can I talk to a social worker? Because I'm feeling like this is going to have some ongoing and I wanted to just process it with my wife and, and the midwife said, oh, well, you'll, you'll have to say it was, was for your partner. And look, I understand that that's the way our system is set up. We can't have, men are not a patient. They're not a visitor. 
they're they're in this they're not staff in a hospital when when you know when childbirth is occurring they're in this kind of other space and I think we do need to set up supports for men around this time yeah Yeah. and so what do you hear from others about that experience now that you are in this space how does it feel to be that emotional support in that room on that day and yet not have a space to process what you've been through I ask because like we talked about before we hit record I'm thinking, I hope not, I hope lots of dads and partners listen to this, but the the reality is 99.99% of my audience are birthing mums and the intention behind this series is to get a different perspective and see how our partners might feel and maybe they pass on the podcast to their partner. But mostly I wonder what what would, yes, what could we understand about that experience. I, I think one of my own podcast guests said it best when he said, the transition to fatherhood for the first time is a bit like learning to surf. There's a hell of a lot of paddling and not many waves. So in that <laughs> first year, I, we, we're really just not preparing men for the transition to fatherhood. I mean, we've all, we understand that the birth is, is always going to be something that men, well, not always, that's part of my work, is trying to change this dynamic. But, like, the childbirth part of the transition of fatherhood it, it is something that we do need to teach men more about. But I think it's the, after, the, the part after that actually needs, needs a little bit more attention as well because men come into this kind of thinking, well, the first year is going to be blissful. It's going to be wonderful. And no one tells them about matrescence. No one tells them about postnatal depletion. No one tells them about the relationship dynamics are going to change. No one tells them about identity shift. And so on the other side, when they think they're going to be the happiest, they're actually feeling abandoned. A lot. That's what I hear from guys. They feel abandoned because their partner has changed in front of them. And rightly so, let's, let's make the point. She's focused on, she's gone from me to we, and she's focused on the survival of the baby, and she feels entirely responsible for that. Mm. Even although he might be a totally doting husband and, and really good, she's still got that prior prime, primal responsibility. Now, he, he doesn't know about that. He actually thinks that everything is just going to go back to normal. You know, the, the, the question of when does uh, intimacy return and this six-week mark, which is just every time I hear that, I'm like, yeah, if everything is going in the right direction, it's going to be maybe six weeks, but that's if you're lucky kind of thing. And we and men just don't get that and we don't tell them that if there's been any any trauma or any emotional upset around the birth that this six weeks could be a lot longer. And we need to start teaching men a little bit about what it's like after birth because men tend to change, uh, blame the individual. They blame the individual woman for abandoning them and the, and the, the infant doesn't really need them in the beginning, you know, that they're not even going to give them any, that's the waves part. They're not, they're not going to get much love from the child. So, yeah, my work is all about trying to get men across the line to say the first year of fatherhood is actually really tough and that your role is just to ride it out and be an ATM <laughs> to go to work 
and and do your best, you know, just do your best to bond with baby, to to be, you know, the best version of yourself, to be patient, to be loving, and and just you know, write it out because after that first, once you once you understand how to keep the baby alive, and it's kind of like normal, you know, kind of. And there's a lot of myths around it as well, isn't there? The, these myths that women will automatically understand what it is their baby mm-hmm. needs at every single moment. That's what men expect. So if there's any trouble with breastfeeding or if there's any issues with the, the infant just not settling, guys can tend to be, yeah, really overwhelmed quite easily around yeah, this time. So what happens, what happens in, the, in the male brain? And I want to say here, obviously we're being very gender stip- very gendered and talking about the nuclear family. So I just want to acknowledge that. But the majority of the people who listen to this podcast and have these conversations is there. But I want to acknowledge that. It would be really helpful if I could pick your brain on behalf of the thousands and thousands of women that I have spoken to who listen to this podcast as well. How does it feel? I, I, I hazard a guess. Sometimes we even talk about it in our coaching calls and in our training, how it must feel for the partner to witness his partner struggle with what we all assume is going to be easy, like breastfeeding, like motherhood. And she is sitting there thinking, why is this so hard? There must be something wrong with me. And she is in that overwhelming first few days and weeks and months of matrescence of this massive I was born a female this should come easily why is this not easy all of those cultural assumptions we've been told about our bodies what does it feel like for the partner to sit there and I'm you know obviously you can only share with me your own experience and the ones that you've heard but I'd love to understand a little bit about what you guys think when you witness that and see us in those moments well, I wish that people would recognise that modern parenting is a full-on team work. <laughs> and so when you, you know, it is, it, it has to be. It should it, be. Like, unless you've got, like, uh, maids and stuff. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and, and, like, a lot of help from everyone around you in those, in those early days. But uh, it, it is a team event, you know, team sport, so let's say. Mm. And... We need to help guys understand that probably, yeah. and women too, obviously, because if you're part of a team, then it's meant to be this kind of machine that works together. Yeah. So when when guys are witnessing things, maybe breastfeeding isn't happening, uh, you know, too too well. He might feel like providing some feedback. Hey, have you tried? Let's try this. Let's try that. And and if there's any, you know, kind of relational dynamics that aren't really working, then there might be some frustration around that. And and I, I think it's about trying to to let people know that the best the best parents are the ones who just work exactly like a team and they talk like a team. One of the things my partner and I did from very early days was we used to, and we still do actually, use a traffic light traffic light um, system mm-hmm. where we're like, okay, if, you, if you're really over it and you just don't want to be a parent at that time, we just say, look, I'm red at the moment. How are you feeling? And they'll say, oh, it's like, oh I'm green. Totally. Go away. Do whatever you want. And there, we have that. And, but you can only do that 
if you've built up the other, mm. the times when you've let the other parent away, go away and do their thing. Um, mm. I'm not sure if I answered your question. But no, it's actually It can really be frustrating good. for men. I think it's frustration, you know, and women will have the prolactin, you know, really like which is strong going for them. But men, men also experience changes in, in their hormonal landscape around this time as well that are similar to, to women. Like you, you made the, the call on the gender when you were asking the question. Well, mm. parenting is actually human. Yes, that's you know, right. Non-biological parents of, uh, who are looking after a, a newborn have peaks in oxytocin and prolactin comes in and all the, all the other hormones actually start taking yes. place if yes. you're looking after a little baby human. So, that's right. Um, that's right. having those experiences. Yeah. Yes. And I just think I can't imagine, you know, sitting in that space, I can't imagine how difficult that would be to sit and watch my partner trying to learn this new skill and 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 feeling like she's failing makes me emotional feeling like she can't do it and not knowing how to fix it either because you don't have boobs you've never breastfed nobody else around you is stepping in and helping it, we talk a lot about the isolation of those early experiences of matrescence and I can't imagine, well, I can imagine, which is why it's becoming emotional, how isolated it is to feel that of patrescence, to see both your own changes and the changes in your partner and the changes in your whole world. And you're not even sure how to navigate this because your dad, not that long ago, not many generations ago, dads weren't even there. They were like, <laughs> I was watching a TV series on the weekend, Stephen that was set in the 1950s and the dads were all in the waiting room. We've all seen those shows and they're handing around the whiskey and getting frustrated that they're going to miss the last round of the cricket because the baby's still not here. But that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, look, the, the, like, I, this is one of the things. Whenever I'm talking to health professionals or like midwives or obstetricians, uh, you know, doing a presentation or anything, I've got this slide where on the one side you've got um, – uh, traditional fatherhood or ancestral fatherhood, you know, mm -hmm. the provider, the protector, the disciplinarian potentially, and he's strong and stoic and he sits in the corner on a Friday afternoon and has a beer. That's generalisation, of course. That's back in the day. But since the 1970s, and, and this is like the slide looks like a big, you know, it comes up to over here, and this is all the role of the modern father, mm -hmm. okay, emotional development of the child, uh, negotiation of behaviour management rather than um, discipline, hopefully, right? Hopefully. Um, yeah, in the best case, or well, in most cases. And, and all the other things, you know, birth support, the pregnancy support, uh, a taxi, you know, housework in, in the best case scenarios. <laughs> and, but the preparation for fatherhood hasn't actually matched. The, so what I say is that the role of the modern father has expanded but the preparation for fatherhood has stayed pretty much the same. So we're not actually, and this is, this is because men don't really communicate about the perinatal period, you know, conception to one-year-old. We haven't got the, the language, we haven't got the experience, we haven't got the historical context to start to actually have meaningful conversations about childbirth support, about what it's like to support pregnancy, regardless of, you know, if it's, there's any uh, complications. And what it's like to be a father in the first year. 
men are not really starting. There's a little bit happening online. There's a little bit of, you know, in social media, there's guys are starting to reach out and say, oh, they've got a rash. What should I do? Or they're not settling. What should I do? And, and there's some really good outcomes happening around that. But when it comes to birth support, there is, there is you know, normally when we have an evolution of our, of our species, let's say, and that's what this childbirth, uh, men coming into the childbirth space signifies. It's, it's yes. an evolution of our, of our species. And it's the biggest change in childbirth in the, maybe ever. Wow. You know, epidural is big up there. Caesarean is up there as well. But bringing men into the room significantly changes the dynamics of, of childbirth. But men are yet to start talking about it. And maybe that would happen in the next 50 years without, you know, some kind of intervention. But that's exactly what my work is trying to do. I want to accelerate that so that we can men begin to start sharing wisdom mm. about childbirth. That's mm. when I think childbirth outcomes will be significantly improved because more than 95% of births now have dads at the birth. And they don't have a clue about what childbirth is actually like. Mm-mm. Now, they don't even know about the hormonal haze, you know, labour land. They're not really sure about uh, – and, and they don't really know about support because we, what we, all we see is 10-point list, lists on the internet and the word support, but men don't actually know what that means in practice. And we need okay. to start telling men what support signifies. And so being quiet sometimes is supportive. Yeah. Just sit in the corner and be quiet and just go or, or be. A witness, a space holder. Yeah. It's okay. Exactly. It's, right. just, you it's know, just a witness. Just looking yeah. after a little bit. And, mm. But guys think support. So he's always going, do you need anything? Yes. What can I do to help? <laughs> you know, and he's actually interfering with the whole process. And, and any birth worker God worth their salt, if they're, trying. God if they're honest. <laughs> will tell you, they'll say, oh, you know, men sometimes spoil a perfectly good birth mm. by being too in her face. And that's what needs to change to, to make it safer. I, um, I think I've shared this story before. Um, during the, my first um, birth, it was very intense and traumatic and, and scary for both of us, for him and I. And there was a point where you talk about that hormonal haze where I was in between the contractions and I just I couldn't hear anything like I you could have told me the secret to life and I was like I I just didn't hear anything and at the time my husband thought I had gone deaf actually panicked (laughs) poor love (laughs) no but in the sense of it was such a scary moment and Mm. he had no idea what was happening and was so scared for me about how badly this was going that he turned to our midwife at the time and said oh my god is she is she okay I think she can't hear and when I reflect on that like that energy is not only you know obviously not what I needed in that moment but I didn't hear anything anyway but that's incredibly traumatic incredibly traumatic Mm. to watch the person that you love birthing your first baby and thinking I, I think there's something seriously wrong here. She now can't even hear us what's wrong. I, I, I just, I totally agree with you. We've put them in the room but not prepared them. And that's not and, okay. And I feel sorry that's for guys. That's not okay. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I feel sorry for, for the I, average I Joe, you know. The system doesn't work for any of us, Stephen. We've got it wrong for most of us. I think we need to redo the whole damn thing. But well, including well, the and, and, and what? Yeah, sorry. Uh, one of the things I say is if a guy, some guys shouldn't be there. They mm. really just shouldn't. And we should create space in our, in our birth culture with, with women, with men, to have an opt-out clause of just yeah. like, you know what, I think I'm going to faint. I don't know if I can handle it. Have a man saying to her, is it okay if I kind of just stay in the waiting room? Mm. And also having women having the courage to actually say, uh, I, I don't really think you'd be <laughs> I don't want you there, you know. I'm and that should be yeah. okay too. Thank you for saying exactly. that. I think that's important. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the renowned birth worker, Maria Dempsey, calls men in the room the weakest link as well. You know, he'll be the first one if, if there's any mention of a cesarean, not always, obviously, but if there's any mention, it's like to release his own tension. Mm. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, can we go and, you know, have this intervention that, and get the baby here quicker so that I don't have to suffer anymore. This mm. mental anguish, mm. you know, we, we say that oh, uh, the men's experience uh, is insignificant. And, and that's not necessarily the case. It is the mental anguish of watching your partner in such distress can be, uh, it can change the dynamics of the whole birth. That's another, mm. that's another thing that I do talk about as well is that it's a risk having some men in, in the room because they're actually, um, you know, they're, they're bringing adrenaline into the room sometimes. Or fear. And yeah. And fear. They're bringing their fear into the room. And if they can't calmly witness her surrender, then they really shouldn't be there. Oh. How does that go down when you say that to a group of dads or dads? Well, uh, you know, um, I, I think it's an essential message. I do. I think it's, it's, a, it's trying to – my, my, my job in all of this is – my self-appointed job in all this – <laughs> is to actually try and make childbirth safer. So, so what I'm trying to do is to educate men about birth, birth support, so that they're better able to support themselves and their and their family through this this process. So, and one of those to reduce risk. I used to, in a past life I used to be in risk management, and I recognised that men having men in there, uneducated men like lay mm -hmm. people is a risk mm -hmm. and that if you can engage them and involve them and uh, get them understanding what's going to happen and what they can do to help, which is quite a lot actually, then it will reduce the risks of childbirth. And so this is a major risk, having guys in there that are clueless and or that are squeamish or, mm -hmm. yeah, so I, mm -hmm. I, I've never had any, anyone really pull me up about it, but Maybe that'll happen. I, I, I think it's a really important I just think it's important, important to message. say. Yeah, I do too. And so then when you get home, what do, we, what do we need to do better for dads in those first few weeks and months, in that first 12 months? What support systems should we have in place for dads and what should we understand better? Well, I think what we need, and, and this is part of the work that I do, I'm setting up a uh, what we're calling the Birthing Dads Brotherhood. So anyone who does our courses will will have some shoulders to lean on in those first critical few months. So I would suggest 
support from other guys who are going through the same thing mm. is a massive like change in our culture that I, I'm trying to to facilitate. So and and we need to we need to get men understanding the first six months you know uh, even although he's he's like okay my life isn't going to change that much i've got one new relationship to manage he's thinking i've got one new relationship i've got a baby coming along i need to think about my relationship to the baby he might be totally totally focused in on that when in fact actually every single relationship in his life changes just like the mothers right Mm -hmm. so it's not just the baby that he's got to renegotiate the relation relationship dynamics it's his partner Mm because she's going to be you know, have a have an identity shift. He's going to have an identity shift as well. His hormones are going to be running, oxytocin, prolactin. Uh, his testosterone goes down by up to thirty percent if he's a doting dad. It, it's actually directly correlatable to the amount of of care for the newborn that dads undertake it can go up down by up to thirty percent. Wow. Uh, there's parts of his brain that will change. Uh, you know, the empathy parts of his brain that allow him to predict the needs of the child, those kind of things. So, and postnatal depletion as well. We need to teach men a little bit about that. We need to kind of, I think, ask men before they're about to become dads, you know, what are you going to miss? What are you looking forward to? But what are you going to miss and how are you going to make up for that? Because I think that's where mental health issues can come in, isolation can come in. You know, what are you going to miss and how can you, you know, like he might be a golfer, okay, and he plays 18 holes on a Saturday. Well, he's never, he's not going to be able to play 18 holes in the first few months, but he's got to recognise that that's actually, you know, because he can't just disappear for four or five hours. Mm. Uh, he might be a surfer and go away for, you know, three or four hours as well, but no, he's going to have to cut that back on that. So we need to actually share with men the the magnitude of the change that's mm-hmm. coming then, I think, in summary. And do you think that we're getting there in terms of beginning to acknowledge what it is to be a father in our culture, in our workplaces, in our society? Do you feel like we're, I think COVID may have had something to do with that, Stephen. I think a lot of dads having to work from home and kids in the background on Zoom I feel like it may have had a beneficial effect on acknowledging that we're actually family people at home as well as these executives at work. What's your feeling about where we're at right now? Oh, look, the, you know, for the the dad space, maybe from school age on, or even toddlers now, yeah, um, that, that has definitely improved in the last, say, 15 years. And there's so many organisations now supporting you know, the, what I call the dad illusion. We're going through a dad illusion. It's a revolution of dad. I love that. Uh, <laughs> but we're still missing out on the perinatal period. Mm. So there's still this kind of gap in, in the dad illusion, uh, uh, the evolution of fatherhood around the perinatal period. We're really not preparing men mm. for, the, for the early days, which is the toughest, uh, we're supporting them around, you know, the toddler years and in, in, and elsewhere. But one of the things I say is fatherhood begins at conception. A lot of men say to me, yeah, but my role doesn't begin until the baby's in my arms, Steve. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You connect with that bump right now. 
Um, and I, that, and that's the thing. I think that's what's missing. You know, men do have an emotional connection with the child, but we need to teach them that that's what they're experiencing. Mm. So when they're at work kind of dreaming, they're kind of going, oh, I'll be, I'll be, you know, in a month's time, I'll have a little baby in my arms. That's an emotional connection. We need to start yelling at guys saying, hey, you're a dad now because there's this, you know, as we know, pregnancy is a highly uh, energy expensive activity. It's actually the most energetically expensive thing known to man, woman. And men, men can actually assist during pregnancy, or assist the growth and development of their children by helping their partner conserve energy. Because as we know, a baby gets everything from mother and the more energy she has to expend on doing all the, the things around the house or, you know, anything that to, to keep, keep the household going, uh, it takes her energy away from putting it into the baby. So I teach men that if they can help their partner serve energy, that's actually going, energy going straight to the baby. Yes. And that's how they can become a father from conception onwards. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing and thank you for having these conversations with fathers, dads-to-be. So. We will share in the show notes how someone can get in contact and connect with your work, but just overall, what services do you offer? Just share with us what, what, what is there for dads, for partners. If anybody is listening and they pass this on to their partner, what, what is available? Well, there's actually quite a lot. We've been doing a lot of, um, we've been creating a lot of resources. So mm-hmm. there's, if you go to prepare.org.au, there is some graphics uh, and, and downloadable uh, kind of flyers and a poster uh, that explains what ma- a man's role is in the perinatal period. We've got a video resource for culturally and linguistically diverse fathers. Uh, we've got flyers in six languages. We've got a one-hour transition to fatherhood kind of, I guess, it's kind of a course, mm-hmm. and that's free. And uh, that's hosted on the Fathering Projects website. And that I interviewed a first-time father and I kind of, you know, asked him about what he knew and kind of talked to him about what he might want to know. And I also interviewed 15 of Australia's top experts in the perinatal space. And I said to them, what would you say to the first-time father? And I took all the highlights and I put it into this, uh, this thing. It's called Connected Dads Resource. But then I also created a course a four-hour course with all those experts and myself and created a whole lot of co- content around, you know, the, the role of men during the perinatal period, and that's available on the Birthing Dads website. That's a paid resource. We mm-hmm. also uh, brought in DadPad from the UK and turned it into an Australian version, which is a newborn healthcare, like newborn care manual. They say they don't come with a manual, but DadPad really <laughs> is it. No, seriously, and, and it's really good, actually. It's, got, it's all so set up good. for guys. Mm. It, it's all set up for guys, and, I mean, you can get that for Christmas, um, <laughs> although that we probably won't publish Yeah, it will be then, out in but, January, but <laughs> no, <laughs> the New Year's but it's, it's wonderful. It's a, it's a wonderful resource, uh, and we've also licensed Towards Parenthood, which is from per, the Parent Infant Research Institute in Melbourne, and that's a, that's a 
a thing a, a resource for people to go through. It's an e-resource, and you type in some, and it it promotes uh, conversations between parents about what kind of parents they want to be, about you know future proofing yeah. the relationship, and also we we licensed uh, acupressure for labour from Dr. Kate Levitt, the, an ex, a expert, a world-renowned expert in in acupressure for labor and there's 11 videos in that and dads love the idea of having something to do right during labor so there's all these great pressure points that can be used so we license that as well and that's that's what we call transition to fatherhood package that's on demand and uh, i'm early next year we'll be doing some i'm calling them the birthing dads posse where we have group <laughs> sessions with guys you know like, from all across australia and the world and and run them through what what to expect and that's that's going to be conducted with a midwife as well a clinical midwife wow. and the birthing dad's brotherhood which is like an ongoing support network for guys a whatsapp group a facebook uh, group as well and yeah monthly catch-ups you know how you doing what's happening mm. um so that they can actually have people to relate to in that time stop the isolation but also one of the key things for me is helping guys understand the dynamics in their relationship that's going to change so yeah. they don't blame the individual they they realize other guys are, are going through a similar thing mm-hmm. and then and that will you know because one of the things i find really sad is that you know people break up sometimes in that first year and and it's just uh, their relationship you know it's relationships are like elastic bands they come sometimes you're really far apart other times you're really close together and people, you know, sometimes they have a breakdown in relationship and the baby's just young. And I've, I've always felt that that was a little sad. And I, they just got it's to push through the, the hard times, you know. And yeah. the Prepare Foundation is actually an acronym, which is, uh, it's a mouthful, um, the perin- Perinatal Relationship Education and Paternal Advocacy Research and Engagement Foundation. So Prepare. Oh, wow. That's all the things that we want to do. But, yeah, relationship education is is a big one. Oh, I'm with you there, Stephen. I've been coaching mums for over a decade and no matter how much I say we're here to talk about you and your experience of becoming a mother, within minutes it's, but can I just talk to you about what's happening in my relationship? Yeah. If we could... If we could support, because that's the thing, you bec- you become a whole other person, a father or a mother, and that relationship does change and get less attention and less time and focus. And if we don't talk about that and acknowledge it and support them through that, that can be the biggest breaking point. So thank you yeah. for what you're doing. I hope we do more together. And I hope that everybody that's listening, share this with their partner with each other and jump on all those resources you've just shared thank you absolute pleasure lovely to chat to you today thank you thank you for being a part of this global matrescence community and following along with this podcast please make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast player and share this podcast far and wide if you would like to work with one of our mummerizing coaches to support you through your own matrescence experience, please look at our directory of amazing coaches, facilitators, workshop leaders and space holders at mummerizing.net and consider donating 
to our Global Matrescence Foundation so all mamas everywhere can receive this support. And finally, if you would like to consider being a mummerizing coach yourself and bring this work into your part of the world, please jump on our waitlist for our next intake for the Mama Rising Coaching Certification. Until next week, thank you again for being a part of this movement. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.